O passes to India, Chapter Thirteen. These hills look romantic in certain lights and at suitable distances, and seen of an evening from the upper veranda of the club, they caused Miss Quested to say conversationally to Miss Derrick that she should like to have gone, that Doctor Aziz, at Mister Fielding's, had said he would arrange something. and that indians seem rather forgetful she was overheard by the servant who offered them vermouths this servant understood english and he was not exactly a spy but he kept his ears open and mahmud ali did not exactly bribe him but did encourage him to come and squat with his own servants and would happen to stroll their way when he was there as the story traveled it accreted emotion and aziz learned with horror that the ladies were deeply offended with him and had expected an invitation daily he thought his facile remark had been forgotten endowed with two memories a temporary and a permanent he had hitherto relegated the caves to the former now he transferred them once for all and pushed the matter through they were to be stupendous replica of the tea party he began by securing fielding and old godbully and then commissioned fielding to approach mrs moore and miss quested when they were alone by this device ronnie their official protector could be circumvented fielding did not like the job much he was busy caves bored him he foresaw friction and expense but he would not refuse the first favor his friend had asked from him and did as required the ladies accepted it was a little inconvenient in the present press of their engagements still they hoped to manage it after consulting mr heeslope consulted Ronnie raised no objection, provided Fielding undertook full responsibility for their comfort. He was not enthusiastic about the picnic, but then no more were the ladies. No one was enthusiastic. Yet it took place. Aziz was terribly worried. It was not a long expedition. A train left Chandrapur just before dawn. another would bring them back for tiffin but he was only a little official still and feared to acquit himself dishonorably he had to ask major calendar for half a day's leave and he refused because of his recent malingering despair renewed approach of major calendar through fielding and contemptuous snarling permission he had to borrow cutlery from mahmud ali without inviting him then there was the question of alcohol mr fielding and perhaps the ladies were drinkers so must he provide whisky sodas and ports there was the problem of transport from the wayside station of marabar to the caves there was the problem of professor godbully and his food and of professor godbully and other people's food two problems not one problem the professor 
was not a very strict Hindu. He would take tea, fruit, soda water and sweets, whoever cooked them, and vegetables and rice if cooked by a Brahmin, but not meat, not cakes, lest they contained eggs. And he would not allow anyone else to eat beef. A slice of beef upon a distant plate would wreck his happiness. Other people might eat mutton, they might eat ham, but over ham, Aziz's own religion raised its voice. He did not fancy other people eating them. Trouble after trouble encountered him because he had challenged the spirit of the Indian earth which tries to keep men in compartments. At last, the moment arrived. His friends thought him most unwise to mix himself up with English ladies and warned him to take every precaution against unpunctuality. Consequently, he spent the previous night at the station. The servants were huddled on the platform, enjoined not to stray. He himself walked up and down with old Muhammad Latif who was to act as major domo. He felt insecure and also unreal. A car drove up and he hoped Fielding would get out of it to lend him solidity. But it contained Mrs. Moore, Miss Quested and their Guanese servant. He rushed to meet them, suddenly happy. But you have come, after all. Oh, how very, very kind of you, he cried. This is the happiest moment in my life. The ladies were civil. It was not the happiest moment in their lives. Still, they looked forward to enjoying themselves as soon as the bother of the early start was over. They had not seen him since the expedition was arranged and they thanked him adequately. You don't require tickets. Please stop your servant. There are no tickets on the Marawar branch line. It is its peculiarity. You come to the carriage and rest till Mr. Fielding joins us. Did you know you are to travel further? Did you like that? They replied that they should like it. The train had come in and a crowd of dependents were swarming over the seats of the carriage like monkeys. Aziz had borrowed servants from his friends as well as bringing his own three and quarrels over precedence were resulting. The lady's servant stood apart with a sneering expression on his face. They had hired him while they were still globetrotters at Bombay. In a hotel or among smart people, he was excellent. But as soon as they consorted with anyone whom he thought second-rate, he left them to their disgrace. The night was still dark, but had acquired the temporary look that indicates its end. First on the roof of a shed, the station master's hands began to dream of kites instead of owls. Lamps were put out in order to save the trouble of putting them out later. The smell of tobacco and the sound of spitting arose from third-class passengers in dark corners. Heads were unshrouded, teeth cleaned on the twigs of a tree. 
so convinced was a junior official that another sun would rise, that he rang a bell with enthusiasm. This upset the servants. They shrieked that the train was starting and ran to both ends of it to intercede. Much had still to enter the Parda carriage, a box sound with brass, a melon wearing a fetch, a towel containing guava, a step ladder, and a gun. The guest played up all right. They had no race consciousness. Mrs. Moore was too old, Miss Quested too new, and they behaved to Aziz as to any young man who had been kind to them in the country. <laughs> This moved him deeply. He had expected them to arrive with Mr. Fielding, instead of which they trusted themselves to be with him a few moments alone. Send back your servant, he suggested. He is unnecessary. Then we shall all be Muslims together. And he is such a horrible servant. Antony, he can go. We don't want you, said the girl impatiently. Master told me to come. Mistress tells you to go. Master says, keep near the ladies all the morning. Well, your ladies won't have you. She turned to the host. Do get rid of him, Dr. Aziz. Muhammad Latif, he called. The poor relative exchanged fetches with the melon and peeped out of the window of the railway carriage, whose Confusion he was superintending. Here is my cousin, Mr. Muhammad Latif. Oh no, don't shake hands. He is an Indian of the old-fashioned sort. He prefers to salam. There I told you so. Muhammad Latif, how beautifully your salam. See, he hasn't understood. He knows no English. You speak. Spike lie, said the old man gently. I spike a lie? Oh, jolly good. Isn't he a funny old man? We will have great jokes with him later. He does all sorts of little things. He is not nearly as stupid as you think and awfully poor. It's lucky ours is a large family. He flung an arm round the grubby neck, but you get inside. Make yourselves at home. Yes, you lie down. The celebrated oriental confusion appeared at last to be at an end. Excuse me, now I must meet our other two guests. He was getting nervous again, for it was ten minutes to the time. Still, Fielding was an, an Englishman, and they never do miss trains, and Godbully was a Hindu and did not count and... Soothed by this logic, he grew calmer as the hour of departure approached. Muhammad Latif had bribed Antony not to come. They walked up and down the platform, talking usefully. They agreed that they had overdone the servants and must leave two or three behind at Marabar station. And Aziz explained that he might be playing one or two practical jokes at the cave, not hour of unkindness, but to make the guest laugh. The old man assented with slight sideway motions of the head.
he was always willing to be ridiculed and he bade aziz not to spare him elated by his importance he began an indecent anecdote tell me another time brother when i have more leisure for now as i have already explained we have to give pleasure to non muslims three will be europeans one a hindu which must not be forgotten every attention must be paid to the professor godbelly lest he feel he is inferior to my other guest i will discuss philosophy with him that will be kind of you but the servants are even more important you must not convey an impression of disorganization it can be done and i expect you to do it a shriek from the parda carriage the train had started merciful god cried mohammad latif he flung himself at the train and leaped on to the footboard of the carriage aziz did likewise it was an easy feat for a branch line train is slow to assume special airs we are monkeys don't worry he called hanging on to a bar and laughing then he howled mr fielding mr fielding there were fielding and old godbelly held up at the level crossing appalling catastrophe the gates had been closed earlier than usual they leaped from their tonga they gesticulated but what was the good so near and yet so far as the train joggled past over the points there was time for agonized words bad bad you have destroyed me god bless puja did it cried the englishman the brahman lowered his eyes ashamed of religion for it was so he had miscalculated the length of a prayer jump on i must have you screamed aziz beside himself right give a hand his not do he'll kill himself mrs moore protested he jumped he failed missed his friend's hands and fell back onto the line the train rumbled past he scrambled onto his feet and bowled after them i'm all right you are all right don't worry and they passed beyond range of his voice mrs moore misquested our expedition is a ruin he swung himself along the footboard almost in tears get in get in you'll kill yourself as well as mr fielding i see no ruin how's that oh explain to me he said piteously like a child we shall be all muslims together now as you promised she was perfect as always his dear mrs moore all the love for her he had felt at the mosque welled up again and the fresher for forgetfulness there was nothing he would not do for her he would die to make her happy get in dr aziz you make us giddy the other lady called if they are so foolish as to miss the train that's their loss not ours i am to blame i am the host nonsense go to your carriage we are going to have a delightful time without them not perfect like mrs moore but very sincere and kind wonderful ladies both of them and for one precious morning his guest he felt important and com- competent fielding was a loss personally being a friend increasingly dear yet if fielding had come he himself would have remained in leading strings indians are incapable of responsibility said the officials 
and Hamidullah sometimes said so too. He would show those pessimists that they were wrong. Similarly, smiling proudly, he glanced outward at the country, which was still invisible except as a dark moment in the darkness. Then upwards at the sky, where the stars of this sprawling scorpion had begun to pale. Then he dived through a window into a second-class carriage. Muhammad Latif, by the way, what is in the, these caves? Brother, why are we all going to see them? Such a question was beyond the poor relative's scope. He could not reply that God and the local villagers knew and that the latter would gladly act as guides.